Hello, everyone. This is John Otterstead, Bobby Darren for the Scarlet Nation podcast. This is our basketball edition. It's a big season in the world of Rutgers hoops, and we're just enjoying every step of the way. Bobby, how is everything going today? Going great. Going great. Well, Rutgers is gearing up for Michigan State tomorrow, and I guess that by the time most people hear this, it'll be heading right into that game on game day. Uh, just let's talk a little bit about this team: uh, seven and two, three and two in a loaded Big Ten. Some big wins over Syracuse, Maryland, Illinois. A couple heartbreaking losses: Ohio State, Iowa. Um, so heading into this game with number twenty-three, Michigan State. And just how good is this Rutgers team? You know, they're very good. I'm, I've been watching them, and, and they just find ways to win. And, you know, sometimes when you're watching, you say, oh, well, you know, th- th- they probably won't pull this one out. It, it's kind of the opposite now. You kind of believe going into those games that they're going to win these games, and, and they get so many perf- uh, good performances from different guys. It's not like they have to rely on one person. And I think one of the most um, – compelling aspects is the fact that how well these guys have developed if you look at guys like Ron Harper even from last year his scoring his three-point shooting you look at Montez Mathis he's he's a go-to guy now on offense and before it was hey let's pass the ball to Geo Baker at the end and let him make a shot now it's totally different Jacob Young you know has developed a reputation for the fastest guy in the country and rightfully so but he's really uh, more confident in, in his offensive game. You can see it. His touch is a little better. He's more under control. And they have just an array of weapons. And, you know, they've been hit by injury. So you look at them at 7-2 and two and you say, yeah, they're, they're pretty good, 15th in the country. You haven't seen the full, you know, arsenal on display yet. So um, that's promising as well because you get Cliff Amarui back. And, and, and a lot of these guys are hurting. Um, you know, Geo Baker had a high ankle sprain. He's working his way back. Caleb McConnell's just getting back. Ron Harper had a sprained ankle. Um, so when all these guys are at full health, they could be scary. Yeah, when you look at that, uh, you know, the stat line this year, Ron Harper Jr., 22.1 points per game. Jacob Young, 15.7. Montez Mathis, 15.3. Geo Baker, 10.2. You got four guys over 10 points per game. And then you don't go too much further down with Miles Johnson at eight points per game. Yep. And, you know, you could, as you were saying before, at any, at any given moment, any of these guys can unload for a, a big game or, or make a, a great shot at the end of a game. When it's coming down to clutch time, you, as you said before, you always knew it was going to be Geo Baker in the past. So now you look down the list, you go, you know, there's four or five guys who I wouldn't mind the ball being in his hands uh, when the big shot needs to be made. And, and yeah, and that's that's a testament to the way that uh, Steve Peichel has developed these players. And, you know, you look at Montez Mathis, a guy who's all of a sudden scoring a lot. He's, he's rebounding. He's playing great defense. Um, he was a four-star prospect. So right away, he wasn't lighting up the scoreboard, but he was steady. Uh, Peichel kept starting him even when he wasn't scoring all those points. Um and you just see him progress. And, and, you know, there's something to be said for having some veteran guys on the team. And he's really done a heck of a job. I mean, even look at a guy like Dean Reiber, um, who, uh, you know, first couple games, I think we had a conversation and said, man, this, this guy doesn't look like he, he belongs in the Big Ten. And now he's out guarding uh, Luca Garza in, in the last Iowa game and, and, you know, doing a respectable job considering the circumstances. So um, you really see him get the most out of his players. And, and that's, you know, it's a sign of a great coach. I have to reiterate what you just said there, because I have been proven wrong with Coach Peichel more than any other coach in Rutgers history, whether football or basketball, because you know, I, I follow the high school game a bit and 
a lot in some years, less in other years. But, you know, I, I pride myself on knowing what's coming in and what's coming down the pike each year. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit, like, when I saw Ron Harper Jr. in high school, he's an okay player. Is he a Big Ten player? I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and and sure enough, look what happens. He's He exceeds everyone's expectations. And that you, you go down the, li- the line in the Rutgers roster, and it's one guy after another who Coach Peichel has been able to develop. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing when you're trying to take three-star guys and coach them up to play four-star and five-star guys. You have to be able to to do something with them and coach them up when they get into the program. And he keeps doing that. And you mentioned Dean Reber before. I'll go I, – I, listen, there's nobody <laughs> out there who will admit when they're wrong as much as me. And, and you said it before. When we <laughs> talked at the beginning of the season, I said, oh, my goodness. You know, if, if they're going to rely on Dean for quality minutes or even any minutes at all, we have a problem. And with each passing game, you see a little bit of a spark in him. You see some – some basketball IQ, uh, some relentless pursuit there, and you know he's you know he's six foot ten. You can't say he's undersized in height, but you know when you see him matched up physically against some of these bigger guys, yeah, particularly Luca Garza, who's a, a tough matchup for anyone. You know he has his, his you know the work cut out for him, but that he, that kid doesn't have any quit in him, and he's definitely proven me wrong game by game. Yeah, and. You know, I feel the same way. And, and even with Oscar Palmquist, you saw him the first few games. He looked like a deer in headlights. When he got the ball, it just looked like he was looking to pass it. And, you know, a couple games ago, he got in there, you know, squared up, showed confidence shooting a three and dropped it and, you know, showed a little feistiness on defense, got into it a little bit with, with the other team. And um, you, you like that. You see that gritty toughness. And and it's just something that Pico looks for in his players. And, and you really see them start to grow. And, and one guy we didn't mention, Paul Mo- Okay, he all of a sudden he's shooting three pointers at will, and his not coming out of high school was that he couldn't shoot from long distance. So you see a progression there from year one to year two. So um, that you know, and, and people around the country are starting to notice too. I mean, it's you know, Rutgers isn't like you're not playing the same old Rutgers. This is a good basketball team. I mean, talking about that three point percentage, you got Ron Harper at forty eight percent, Jacob Young at forty three percent, Montez Mathis at forty one percent. Um, and then even just going down to Palmquist because he's not shooting well. He's he's shooting 22% from three-point range. But he's a guy who we've been hearing about in terms of having a, a nice outside shot since he you know came to Rutgers last year. So if Pykele can work his magic with Palmquist and get him hitting from the outside, Rutgers has some weapons that you know, they haven't had since you and I have <laughs> been you know following the team for the website. And I think it's also important to note that they're they're getting good spacing, they're they're moving the ball well, so they're getting guys some good looks. It's not like they're chucking up threes with one second left on the shot clock or w- with a guy in their face, and you know they're getting good looks, and that's a product of Steve Peichel's offense. The, the ball movement, some of those um, sequences, is really good. They, they Miles Johnson's a great passer out of the post, um, so you know the, the offense is really set up to to create some of those shots, and and the guys are taking advantage of it. Now you have to credit the guys. For, for getting in the gym and, and shooting and, 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 you know, just just practicing day after day. And it doesn't hurt to have that new uh, the, the RWJ Barnabas Center that is open 24 hours. Guys can go in there and shoot whenever they want. So that definitely helps as well. Right. Now, Rutgers has gone into some of these games severely underhanded to just somewhat underhanded. And um, is that the word I'm thinking of? Yeah, they just – with some guys out and such. And really, I, I can't believe how they find ways to win every game. 
and as you said before, when they're at full strength, this could be a very scary team. And let's talk just for a moment about Cliff Amarui and what his loss means to Rutgers and, and what bringing him back will mean to them in the future. Well, I, I look at the last game and, and you got Reber in there on Luca Garza with about four minutes left. Miles was still getting a blow on the bench. And, you know, there were two sequences where he scored and he was fouled. It was an M1. So he had five points. Now, does Cliff do a better job in that sequence? You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But, you know, you'd probably want to rely on him a little more than Dean in that instance. No offense to him. He did an admirable job. But, um, instances like that you know you look at the Ohio State game obviously most glaring when they fouled Miles Johnson out the the bigs just went to work down there in the post and you know that was an egregious display of officiating but um that's another story within itself but you know if Miles and Miles can get into foul trouble we've seen in the past and if he does you know when they had uh, Mamadou Dukor out there he was just you know they, they were just abusing him at Ohio State so um yeah Cliff really makes a difference I think on the defensive end I you know you're not going to rely on him and you know this from watching a lot of his high school games you're not going to rely on him to to give you a lot of offensive production but I think he could really develop into a force on defense and, and that's that's what Rutgers is about tough defense I mean look held Iowa to 77 points their average was 95 coming into the game and, and I think that's a game Rutgers could have won I mean I hate to say should have won because if you should have you would have but they really had their chances there right um and I was really excited to see Caleb McConnell come back this past game you know he was didn't score any points. It was a little slow on his return, but totally understood. He hasn't been out there in a while in game action, but it's great to see him out there. What kind of role do you see him play in moving forward if he does continue to rehab and you know get back out there at full strength? I think you'll see him just come in and be that kind of gritty um – you know, you, you kind of have that glue guy, uh, that guy who does all the dirty work, who who takes the charges, who plays the defense, who gets the rebounds, who maybe, uh, you know, gets a loose ball and puts up a shot and scores in those ugly ways. And, and sometimes those glue guys are the most important guys on a team. They're not flashy, but they do all the little dirty, gritty work that kind of goes unnoticed. And um, I, I think that's what you could expect out of him. I don't think he's going to light up the stat sheet. He might have a game or two if his back, you know, feels better, gets back into the swing of things where he scores a lot. But, you know, you could see the rust on him. The first couple shots he put up were way off. But, I mean, that's expected. You know, the guy was supposed to be out all year. And, and I don't know how close to 100% he is. It's it's one thing to go out and practice, but to play a game and with that kind of tempo and, and all that going on, it's a completely different story. So, it, it was nice to see him out there, and I know you're a big fan. I, I know you were you. <laughs> I could probably hear you from home when he got in the game. I know you're a Caleb McConnell guy. Uh, you know what I just love about him? I love his size, his length, his uh, you know his ability to to handle the ball, but he can also shoot and can get up there and even get some rebounds. You know, there there are guys when you follow the uh, the high school game and, and go to the elite tournaments all around the country. Uh, you know, I've told you before in the past who fit his profile, who were top 25 players in the country uh, with a very similar skill set as him. And I think just the main difference for him so far is he hasn't had to be the man yet. Right. But I think if he had to be the man, as we saw a little bit last year when Geo Baker was out and he and he stepped in for him, when he has to be the man, he can be the man. And uh, I think the beauty of this Rutgers team is no one has to be that guy, though, because they evenly and- distribute the ball. That's what Steve uh, said. One, one, you know, one of the previous games. I don't remember which one it was. Afterwards, though, he said, you know, uh, I forget what I asked him, but you know, he said, um, you know, that you can always count on 
somebody stepping up and anybody can do it on any given night. And, you know, you look back at a guy like Caleb McConnell, remember when he committed, we were kind of like, who, um, you know, wasn't a highly touted recruit, you know, didn't have a whole lot going on. And even when he first came in, I think we had the same discussion that was similar to the one about Reber, like, oh, this guy doesn't look like he has a chance. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's a starter. Yeah. Never count anybody out in this program. No. <laughs> You can't even with Pike. I've learned that. And I, I mean, maybe I was jaded when, when I first started um, covering it was Fred Hill. And then you went into Eddie Jordan. Well, you had to Mike Rice. I'm sorry. And then Eddie Jordan. And, you know, whenever you thought they would start to get over a hump, they would take like three, four steps back. So I think I was jaded. So when that started happening with Pike, I'd be like, oh, they're going to lose this. It's going to implode. They're going to hit a wall. And it just didn't happen. It kind of had to break that, that um, mentality because it was hammered into me from covering so many of those games for so long. I remember the one thing that always annoyed me back in those days was I'd always talk to someone close to the program and I'd say, well, why aren't you taking, you know, why aren't you filling all available spots this year with new recruits? And they'd always tell me, ah, next year's the big year. We're going to hold some scholarships back. But that next year never came. And, <laughs> you know, and I'd always leave that, that recruiting cycle saying, oh my God, what it could have should have. And you don't do that anymore. Right. We, we're already learning. The, already this year with looking at the freshmen, um, you know, I wasn't quite sure that, that Cliff was going to be able to contribute much this year. I think he still had to learn the game a bit. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he comes back and he's starting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cliff looks better right now against Big Ten competition than he looked against some high school competition last year. He had some good games. You'd hear about the good games that he had. But I watched him play some very poor games last year against – okay competition high school level competition um he was a kid last year who had a world of potential um who was often out of position and not making the plays that you knew he could make mm-hmm. and he came into Rutgers. he got there early he put in the time he was always working out always in the gym and this is what happens you do the you work with good coaches and you you put the time and effort in and big things happen. So it's it's really great to see Cliff becoming the player that we all knew he could be a little ahead of a little ahead of schedule. And you know, some of the in the early going, I saw some of the rotations he was a little unsure of he'd get down. And I think starting him was really a good move by Pykel because it started to instill confidence in him. And, you know, that first game he had a double double. Um and I, I think that was big in his development because, you know, you open up with three teams that you know you're gonna beat and allowing him to get out there in that starting spotlight and, and get some quality minutes, I think it really did a lot for his confidence. It's a shame that he got hurt when he did, but I, the good news is it doesn't look like it's going to be long term i think you're going to see him back sooner than later right and you look at it thinking of another freshman with Pomquist. we were talking about him before but i think not having that early season schedule where you get some more cupcake wins in there hurt the, the freshman because like we said before he's shooting 22 percent from three-point land if he had some more time to establish himself and obviously if he wasn't playing on a team that was as talented as rockers and had a little bit more of an opportunity I think you'd see him blossoming into the player that we know he'll be a couple of years down the road. And, you know, some of those shots, I wouldn't even count them because you could just tell that he was he was nervous out there and it wasn't he just wasn't letting it fly. And he was trying to kind of aim it on a couple, you know, all those little things that come with a new experience. And it just comes from being a freshman. You have to get used to your surroundings when you get that open layup. You can't just try to push or place the ball. Just let it fly and shoot it. And, and that comes with experience and time and games played. 
Now, who's your surprise player of the year so far? Surprise player? I'd have to go with. Uh, I'd have to go with. Well, I would say Reber um, for the obvious reasons. We, we didn't expect much at first, but you know, I, I would kind of point to to some of the guys who are playing more. You know, Montez Mathis, his offensive game is is really starting to take off. I mean, he's starting to develop into a guy that you can go to as a scorer. He can get to the hole. Now that he's making three-pointers, he's really good. I mean, uh, you know, remember last year, Montez wasn't always looking for a shot. Uh, Sometimes he was uncertain of himself. He's looking more sure of himself this year. Um, That three-point shot has gotten better. And, and, And if he can continually shoot that three, He's a tough matchup because if you play him close, he's got a quick first step and he can get by a lot of people. So he started to come on and make his mark initially as a, as a good defensive player, but his offensive games really sprung to life. And I, I think that's a really impressive um, kind of not a total surprise, but, you know, something that maybe you didn't go in expecting him to score the way he did. Now, if the Michigan State game comes down to one final shot, who do you want to have the ball in that big moment? You know, I'm not crazy about their bigs. You know, maybe give it to Miles on the block if he's having a nice game. But I I think it's all about matchups at the time and how guys are playing them. You know, Jacob Young is a terror for anybody. I mean, I I thought the last game uh, when Gio came up against Iowa, I I don't know. I was saying give it to Jake because none of those guys could stay with him. They were all a step behind him. And he does such a a great job of creating. He's creating other shots for for other guys with his quickness getting to the hole. So I like him in those instances. And he has a much better touch on his shot this year. But, I mean, you've seen Gio do it time and again with with that shot. So it's kind of hard to stay away from him at the end of the game when he's done it so often right especially a few games from now when he's even further back into the swing of things and feeling better yeah and and Um, you know the high ankle sprain usually that's a a, a something that that lasts a while guys don't usually come back in a matter of a few games from that so i I know he's back but uh, you know february you're really going to see geo back now i'm really enjoying this big 10 season this year you you have just unbelievable representation by the league in the top 25. You got Michigan at the top right now, the standings at 4-0 and for the Big Ten standings, that is, with Illinois at 4-1. and And there's seven teams in the AP top 25. Uh, obviously, this is an obvious answer here, but you know, how good is this Big Ten? And what are some of your impressions so far from just watching some of these teams in action? Uh, it's it's good. It's balanced. And, and what's unique about it is that they're all different type of teams, you know, and, and Pike will say that's one of the, the tough parts about it. You have to prepare for so many different styles of play. You know, you're going against Ohio State that, that have, you know, forces in the post. And then you go to Iowa, who's averaging 95 points a game. So, uh, you know, stark contrast there. And I think that makes it exciting, too. And I, I don't know. The teams are just, they're really tough. And it's going to be tough for one of those um, teams to really emerge as a, as a continually high-ranked team with a great record because you're going to see teams just pick off each other. Just look at the Rutgers-Iowa one. Iowa won the game, but they were 10th in the country that week. And, and yeah, it was their second win of the week, but they went all the way up to five from beating Rutgers. So that ought to tell you a little bit about the prestige Rutgers has, uh, not to get off topic there, but I mean, people are starting to start to respect them around the league. Maybe not prestige is the right word, but respect, I should say. Um, the voters are starting to respect them. So, yeah. uh, 
you know, it, it's just from from you know the, the, a lot of those ranked teams are really tough, and, and you saw Ohio State. They're they're not ranked this week, but you know they have some tough guys down low. But I, I think you know Rutgers at full strength is, is a better team than them. This was my biggest fear: the strength of the league this year. When I looked at what was coming down the pike for Rutgers, I was saying that Rutgers could possibly have its best team in memory, in our memory at least, and then have a. a, a uh, you know, maybe perhaps have a, a poor season just because the league is so strong. And that hasn't been the case so far. Rutgers has been exceeding my expectations. But I mean, that's the kind of league that you have this year where there are quality teams that are in the bottom half of the league standings. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it, uh, you know, they're a foul call away from and, and, a, and, a, and a few foul shots away from being undefeated. You know, if if uh, they find a way to knock some foul shots or make some layups or get the stop there at the end of Iowa and, and they don't call those those uh, ridiculous calls against Miles Johnson, and Ohio State, <laughs> are they a top five team right now? You know, undefeated. I mean, it's not inconceivable. Not in- inconceivable at all. It's it's surreal. And let's talk about let's. Pr- Think a little bit further into the future. How far can this Rutgers team go? You know, if they're healthy and they keep progressing and they keep playing like they are, you know, they could get on a run and go really far in the tournament. I mean, it's funny because we're talking for so long about making the tournament. Now you're talking about, well, maybe they could make the final four. You know, they have veteran guys. They have shooters. They play defense. So even when their shots aren't falling, they're in every game. Um, You know, I don't see you know, a lot of teams being able to just come on the court and say, all right, we're going to win this game against Rutgers. I mean, if they get a hot in March, look out. They could could go pretty far. Now, there are a lot of Rutgers fans out there lamenting the fact that last year was going to be the the first time that the team made the NCAA tournament since I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of fans who grew up following this team who never had an opportunity to see the team play in an NCAA tournament, and so that was wiped away last year. This year, if they make it, the odds of fans being allowed to be in the venue are very, very slim. Mm-hmm. I can say that's the only that's the only disappointing part about this right. this two year run because there's so much to be excited about and so little opportunity to kind of be part of that magic. And you know, I thought in the beginning that that uh, you know the fans not being there it might impact them at home. But Rutgers has really played with a lot of energy at home. But you do have to think, you know, they're playing Iowa, and, and that game's coming down the stretch, and that rack is packed, and that place is rocking. It, it might be a different outcome, you know, uh, uh, last Saturday. I mean, and and they've really made the rack a tough place to play. So um, it, it's definitely. Uh, different without the fans there it's something that uh that, that really gave Rutgers an advantage it's definitely something that's missed I can't even believe like I was as that game was playing out I was just picturing what it would be like to be in a packed rack as that game was waning in its waning minutes and it would have been something to behold you know I don't know that that Iowa would have been hung would have hung around that much that that long because there were instances where Rutgers could have pulled away um Maybe they get the extra juice from the crowd, and they do. Maybe that game is a ten-point game, you know, with two minutes left, and they don't have to rely on making a couple foul shots to to win, or or a defensive stop, or a last-second shot. Um, it, it's it's fun to speculate because you know that really does give Rutgers an advantage with that crowd. But in the same sense, you know, you look at Rutgers on the road, and you know they would go into places without an advantage, and and the other teams would have that. So uh, it kind of works both ways. I, I was just going to say the same thing. 
Well, anyway, Bobby, before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts on this Rutgers team? Perhaps uh, looking ahead for the next couple of weeks, things you want to see out of them, things that you're hoping to see from them. I'm hoping to see them get healthy, um, completely healthy, because I'm interested to see what this team can do when they're firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, Pykel just continues to to pull the rabbit out of a hat, so to speak. And and I, I'm saying that with that, you know, because I've been so jaded with the past uh, with the past coaching regimes here. Um, so I, I'm just looking forward to see them getting them healthy. They're really a fun team to watch. They're a fun team to cover. Uh, Pykel's a really good guy, which is a rarity in, in, in this day and age when you're talking about uh, some of these coaches, you know, especially, you know, I'm not even going to get into to some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes you know with recruiting and basketball but um he's just a good guy and he's easy to root for definitely the easy to root for part extends from the bottom of the program up to the top and uh, it's been fun and it will continue to be fun and bobby i want to thank you so much for jumping on the line with me tonight oh thank you look forward to, to talking again soon definitely All right, everyone, thank you as always for being part of Scarlet Nation. We look forward to seeing you on the message board and, of course, back on our next Scarlet Nation podcast.